Hello and welcome to the Other Kind of Doctor podcast. My name is Gemma. And my name is Gaia and we are both on the journey of gaining a PhD. A quick disclaimer before we start. We are in fact the academic kind of doctors. Well, nearly doctors. Yes, nearly doctors. But we're not your medical kind of doctors. So if you do need medical attention, please contact your GP. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the first episode of the Other Kind Doctor podcast. Exciting. Do you feel excited? I feel excited and scared. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty scaring and exciting, which is a bit like doing a PhD, to be honest. Maybe more scared than doing a PhD. Yeah, yeah. But I do feel excited and I'm, I'm really happy that we're here and actually getting it off the ground. I suppose we should probably introduce ourselves um, because none of these people know who we are, which is crazy. <laughs> they should definitely know. Go on then. Okay, I'll go first. Um, my name's Gemma and I am a third year PhD student, which sounds scary, but my PhD is actually four years. So that does make me feel better that I've got another two years left. And my PhD is in psychology. And that doesn't mean I'm going to read your mind. It just means a lot of stuff less exciting than that. What about you, Gaia? I just want to say that Gemma was looking at her iPad throughout the whole thing. And I'm scared she have written down notes about her name. (laughs) So I'm Gaia. I'm also a PhD student in psychology, third year. But like Gemma, my PhD is four years. So I'm not panicking just yet. Panicking a little bit, though. Yeah, but not like major panic <laughs> okay let, let's let's carry on otherwise we'll, we'll, we'll waffle for a whole hour and um, so i think we feel like when people say what their phds are about people kind of switch off but i feel like because this is for other phd students people will be interested will to, to know what our phds are in so as a brief kind of um introduction my phd is looking at how young people use social media and how that relates to their mental health and my phd is Oh my god, I forgot what my PhD is <laughs> Only three years in. Ugh. My PhD is about improving eyewitness testimony in forensic lineups. Yeah, very exciting and very different types of psychology as well. And yeah, I think it would be interesting. I feel like people come to PhDs from all different types and mm-hmm. all different backgrounds. So it might be useful to say kind of like what our background is. I don't want to hear about your childhood trauma and experiences but kind of maybe our (laughs) maybe kind of our educational background might be useful for people to know why don't you go first this time yeah so I'm actually Italian as you might be able to tell it's really strong accent (laughs) (laughs) so I came to the UK for my undergrad so I did my undergrad in psychology then a master's in forensic psychology here at Royal Holloway then one year as a research assistant actually during COVID so it's just me in my room typing away and now we're doing my PhD. Very exciting. Oh. Look, look, look how far you've come. For me, I am what they call like a straight through PhD student. So I did my undergrad at Royal Holloway, finished in, well, with my undergrad during COVID, last two years. And then I had a six month break after I graduated and then I started my PhD. Hang on. Is that right? Not six months. It was about four months, actually. Okay, a four-month gap um, between graduating and starting my PhD because I was a January starter. And, yeah, really exciting. Um, My undergrad was in psychology as well. Um, My um, undergrad certificate says clinical psychology, but it was just psychology, and then I did a clinical-specific third year, but 
I'm not sure if you want to slander. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just like it's psychology, clinical psychology, and mental health. So it's, it's just like right. a broad thing. Um, We've been issuing an office for way too many years. Yes, yeah, so we met when I started my PhD. Cause Which you was like four months after me? Four months after you. And yeah, I've been stuck with her ever since. Can't get rid of her. She followed me to this podcast studio everywhere. and everywhere. So it might be useful as well to say why we wanted to do a podcast. Mainly just to sit and chat to a microphone maybe <laughs> every week. But I think for me, I think there was kind of like a gap to understand kind of the PhD going into it. It's like, what, what even is it? I don't even know two years in. And it's like really interesting to speak to experts, and I feel like that's what we kind of do in our day-to-day life anyway. Yeah. But it would be nice to actually get it on record and maybe share that with other PhD students that are. Yeah, I think the best thing of doing a PhD is like sitting in the PhD office or like wherever and just talking to other people about what's going wrong in your life in your PhD <laughs> or what's going or right. what's going right. <laughs> Um, and this is what we're going to do. Yeah, and also thinking about careers as well um, and thinking about what happens after you finish your PhD because that just feels so long away, but I feel like it will happen eventually and we're no, going to have to I decide won't. what we want to be when we grow up um, for everyone that thinks that we're still at school. This podcast is also not just for PhD students. I think it's just for people as well who are curious about academia or thinking about doing a PhD. Mm. Or just like if you want to understand what a PhD is. Yeah, because people might be thinking that they might not be good enough to do a PhD. It's quite like a daunting thing if you're like a first-generation university student or anything like that, like you're not quite good enough or understanding what it involves. We're going to be talking about all kind of stuff like that on this podcast. Exciting. Exciting. So we, there is going to be some sort of structure to this podcast, believe it or not, as even though we could ramble for hours. I think we're going to start off by having like a discussion of a topic. Sometimes we're going to be inviting guests on and getting expert opinions because we want to learn stuff as well and and learn all about stuff and then next we're going to be having a key piece of advice to take away on the topic of course on the topic not not just general advice just on the topic specifically and then lastly Gaia brain bites this is just something interesting about research they found with the week yeah yeah so Today, we're going to be talking about something that PhD students will encounter during their PhD. I don't know a PhD student that doesn't encounter this. Yeah. And that is... Drumroll. Managing procrastination. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah, I think everybody procrastinates, don't they? We're procrastinating right now in our PhDs. We developed a whole podcast just to procrastinate from our PhDs. Very sorry to our supervisors. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it's a very common experience and I think it's not just about pretending that you don't procrastinate, but I think it's about managing it. And I think that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Using a bit of research as well because... Because we are researchers. We are researchers and we also we want to know how to manage our own procrastination. Yeah. Um, so the advice we're going to give uh, is not just based on what we think is good. We actually researched this. Yes, we did actually again procrastinate from our PhDs and look at research to do with procrastination okay so so why do people procrastinate Gem? well I think there's a lot of different reasons why people procrastinate and we had a look at some research and these are just some that we thought some of the reasons we thought would be specifically applicable to academia Mm -hmm. and PhD students I think the general kind of thing with procrastination it's like a procrastination cycle you're anxious about a task you're then going to avoid the task because you're anxious about it 
and you're going to procrastinate. Yep. Because you're leaving it to the last minute, you're going to do badly in it, probably. And then because you do badly in it, it's going to make you want to procrastinate again on the next task because you're worried about doing badly. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So there, again, there's also different kind of, I guess, subsections to why people procrastinate. Would you want to talk about the first one? So something that I think both me and Gemma struggle with, and actually I feel like any PhD student, perfectionism. Because you want to, whenever you have to do something, you want to do it perfectly. So you won't start doing the task because you're scared you won't do it well enough. Yeah, so you procrastinate. completely resonate with that. I think Same. especially in academia, because everyone is doing a PhD obviously loves their PhD and probably hates it at the same time, but they it's like their baby and they wanted to make sure it's like perfect. It is a baby and you want to make sure it's perfect. But then you feel like you can't start because whatever you write won't be good enough for it. Another reason, which I think is just it's not another reason per se. More of like a theory. Yeah. It's the emotional self regulation theory. So by procrastinating, you're making yourself feel better in the short term, but then obviously in the long term, it's going to be worse. Yeah. So short term, I feel good going and doing a full food shop rather than writing my introduction. I did clean the whole day yesterday because I didn't want to work. Yeah. So you're kind of feeling good in the short term and you're not focusing on like your long term goals and things like that. Yeah. And I think that kind of leads on to a theory that I read about called the drive to delay versus the drive to act theory. So people that procrastinate are more driven to delay a task, whereas people that don't procrastinate are driven to just sit down and act. Closer, they will act. Good for them. Good for them, I don't know what that feels like. Another kind of section, I think, or reason why people procrastinate is that people don't have like a defined realistic goal for the task that they want to do. So, for example, for a PhD, you're thinking about the end result of your PhD sometimes. So you're thinking about all the things you need to do throughout those, like, three or four years instead of thinking of the thing you need to do today, which might be, like, write the method section of a paper. Yeah. So, like, or, for example, saying, I'm just going to do some writing today, but you're not saying, like, what, how much writing or what you're going to write about. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, I'm going to write this whole paper. Never happens. No. Unrealistic. So those are really good reasons, Gaia. Oh, thank you. Um, Didn't come up with that. <laughs> how how are we going to manage that? How how do we manage all of these different things that are going on during a PhD and, and these different reasons to why we're going to be procrastinating on our, on writing our PhDs? Well, I don't manage, but if someone do want to manage, I think for me the key thing to remember is that everyone is going to procrastinate at some point, and don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. If you genuinely need a break and you're overwhelmed and you're burnt out and you need to have a day cleaning or a day going to see your friend and things like that, but understanding that you need to manage it so that you're not spending a whole week cleaning your house or a whole week going out and, and things like yeah. that. And just to make sure that you are meeting deadlines and you're keeping up with your projects and stuff. So I think if someone is struggling with perfectionism and and thinking everything needs to be perfect... Something that we saw is a really good tip for this is breaking in drafts. So, you know, working through your drafts, understanding that you just need to sit down and write something, whether it's, you know, a bullet point, 10 bullet points, 
writing small questions within a chapter helps as well because at the end of the day you can't edit a blank piece of paper if you've got something to work with it's mm-hmm. better than nothing and yeah. then you know you can elaborate on that yeah you, <laughs> you can elaborate <laughs> yeah in undergrad i used to i used to think that I had to sit down and write perfectly from the first sentence. And obviously, Mm -hmm. I wrote like three sentences a day that way. Now, I just sit down, not even with my laptop, but with my notebook, and just write down random stuff, Mm -hmm. like from research from my head. And I know because it's in a notebook and not on my laptop, it doesn't count if it's not perfect. Oh, and then I, I just like translate it. I like oh. that idea because it's not writing on like a Word document. It's just yeah. notes. That's a really good tip, actually. Mm-hmm. I like that. Something to help as well is increasing your like, motivation for the task. So I feel like because the PhD is so long, it's it's three years. Like it, hopefully three years. Three years, four years. You know, you're tired, and I think it can be difficult. You can find yourself losing track of the end Mm -hmm. goal, right, and and your long-term goals. Something that I have done is visualising my end goal, like visualising graduating, like visualising, like handing in my thesis, and that might might be, like, overwhelming for some people. That's adorable, Gemma. thanks. It might be overwhelming for some people, but when I'm, you know, it's a Monday morning, it's cold, I want to, you know, stay in bed, I would be like you know what I'm not going to be able to you know graduate have my thesis in if I don't just sit down and write something and that does help with my motivation but something else that we've done actually is set up writing groups yeah writing days it helps a lot Uh, like for me it's really hard to just sit down and work by myself because no one is checking on me Mm. and therefore I'm like I'm just gonna read some read a normal book for 10 minutes and then end up reading 10 whole chapters and it's 9pm but if I'm working with someone else or in a study writing group everyone is there and if I procrastinate they're going to see it Yeah, like having someone else hold you accountable is really useful Um, and I think for some like writing groups they set goals and things at the beginning Mm. and then you like check in and and see how you're getting on and things like that and then I think this is pretty like self-explanatory but when we said about not having defined realistic goals just break down your tasks like break big chunks of you know like an introduction chapter don't try and start from the first sentence like just write like (laughs) just break it into sections i had a friend say to me the other day that they wrote their introduction chapter and they ask themselves like mini essays within a chapter so they write like a question Mm -hmm. and then wrote like mini essays and that apparently really helped them it does sound good, actually. Mm. That is everything we have to say about procrastination. But please feel free to drop us a message on our socials or, or on Instagram or Twitter or something, or X, I should say now. Does anyone say that? And and let us know ways that you procrastinate or ways that you manage your procrastination. Hey. Because let's face it, we all need help with that. Advice. Our key advice for procrastination. Gaia. Should have thought of that. <laughs> Gaia, what is your key piece of advice with procrastination or managing procrastination? I think it will be break down your tasks into mini tasks. Otherwise, you're going to get overwhelmed, procrastinate, get more overwhelmed, cry. Yeah. Crying is optional, of course. Yeah. Um, 
I think my key piece of advice would be to just sit down and do it. Make yourself accountable or have someone else make you accountable for just getting something down, whether that's bullet points. I think writing in a notepad, like you said, is a good way to start rather than just staring at a blank piece of paper. Okay, now for our Brain Bite section. So as we're recording this, it's actually the second week of January. Yeah, 10th of January. Yeah. So we're still on track with our New Year's resolutions, I think. Are yeah. you? I'm I'm on I'm kind of on track with my New Year's resolutions. Okay. Uh, how do we keep being on track? Yes. So our piece of research we saw this week was asking are New Year's resolutions actually effective? I've been seeing online, everyone's been like, this is my New Year's resolution. This I'm going to read 100 books. 100 books, 2024 goals, I'm going to the gym a million times a week, that kind of thing. So we actually had a look at some research. And Gaia, what did they find? I mean, it depends. Usually less than 10% of people keeps up with their New Year's resolutions. But there's a reason for this. And it's that, again, people make really big New Year's resolutions, like going to the gym a hundred times. Yeah. But actually, you need to make smaller, more manageable resolutions, like, I'm going to walk to work. Yeah, so they tend to be a little bit over-ambitious New Year's resolutions. So uh, in a book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg and Tiny Habits by BK Fogg, they set the following tips for making New Year's resolutions effective. The first was setting measurable goals. Rather than saying, like, I'm going to walk more, say, I'm going to take the stairs every day. Mm -hmm. That's measurable and it's easier to keep up with. Then have goals built on existing activities. Don't be like, I'm going to climb a mountain every Sunday if you don't already do that. But, for example, if you go on a brisk walk, like, three times a week, just add 20 minutes to your walks. And the last thing for making them stick is to make the action easy to do for the first week. So if you get that first week over and done with and it's easy and you've kept up with it, you're more likely to keep it up for the long term. Yeah. And that's everything for today, guys. Wow. Wow. First First episode done. First episode done. See you next week. Subscribe. Is that what people say? People say subscribe. So, yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. If you want to leave a review for the first episode, but maybe listen to a couple yeah, to make sure you I actually like it. it. Uh, so, yeah, please subscribe and uh, check out our socials to find out some more behind-the-scenes content, I yeah. guess. Meeting some, the, some nice tweets. Yeah, Encouraging. Love, yeah, our website will also host all of our transcriptions and our Meet the Team page where you can meet our fantastic podcast Yay. team because, believe it or not, it takes more than two people to My set, God. set up a podcast so thanks so much for that and also thanks so much to the Royal Holloway Doctoral School for supporting this podcast and allowing us to do it, it's yeah. really exciting thanks guys, bye, bye.